Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell and this is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And this is a show called Solid Steps Radio that we started a few years ago. We said, hey, we want to do a show geared towards men. Men talk about politics, sports, and weather a lot, but boy, do we not talk about the things of God and the things for eternity. And we believe here at Solid Steps Radio that you as a man have a destiny and women who listen, but we believe that you as a man have a destiny and part of that destiny is to walk with Jesus Christ, to be a son of his and, and to walk in freedom. And we do not have all the answers, but we know the one who does. And we just simply want to be a tool in your toolbox, men. And part of what we want to do here is tell the story that God is writing in men's lives. Now, we were talking before the show started that if you could, if there was only one artist that I could listen to for the rest of my life. You said you can only listen to one, and this is the only music you can ever listen to. It would be Johnny Cash. Now, I love Johnny Cash. My kids know Johnny Cash when, songs. When did you start listening oh, to Johnny years Cash? Oh, years ago. I just, he, he's just a storyteller, and I love his stories, right? But one of Johnny Cash's most famous albums was Live at San Quentin. He did mm. a live album. It's mm. one of the greatest country music, uh, famous country music albums of all time. January 1st, 1959, he does a live show at San Quentin. You weren't there, dude. I was not. And so <laughs> he, he does this show at, at the San Quentin prison, and there was a young man in there who I think was 21 years old. He was serving a two-year term. And his juvenile record, he had escaped juvenile, I think it was 17 times in his juvenile life. And he was sitting in the prison listening to Johnny Cash, and his name was Merle Haggard. And Merle Haggard went on to be one of the greatest country Are music you artists kidding? of I all time. I didn't know that story. Now, Merle Haggard says when Johnny Cash came and did that concert, he was sitting in the audience and he said that show gave him hope for the first time in his life, mm. gave him some direction. So today... We're talking about Merle Haggard. Well, no, we're not. We're, <laughs> we're going to talk to another Cash <clears throat> about prison and hope. But the hope we're talking about is hope that prison walls cannot stop. Mm. And it's not a hope for this world. It's a hope for eternity. And we're going to hear a story about a man who lived a life in such rebellion, you think there's no way God can reach him, but you haven't heard the end of the story. You know, Chad, God is the God of the impossible. And so, Tony, Tony Cash, my goodness, it is great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Welcome. And uh, so you even you just said um, uh, two minutes ago you, you have some even – connection to Johnny Cash. Yeah, I've been told all my life that we're, like he's my third and my father's second cousin. Uh, I haven't done the, the research. Would love to do that. Never got to meet him before he died, but uh, we got a lot of a uh, lot of physical traits that's the same uh, and and family from the same areas, so uh, um, very... And, and you've got a voice for radio. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We love your voice, Tony. And, and I can tell a good story. <laughs> well, we're going to hear one brother, today. Brother, you, you have a good story. Oh, praise God. Well, uh, Tony, so uh, let, talk to our listeners. You you grew up, um, I mean, from uh, since a little kid, starting down the mischievous, um, down the road of, of chaos. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Well, I... Uh, we lived out in the country most of my early life, and uh, and uh, had two older brothers that I grew up with, so they was my playmates, as I guess you could say. And uh, they was four and five years older than I was, and and what they did, I did, and they were influenced by, uh, and I as well as uh, by my father, who was 
a tough guy. Uh, he's a good man, but he, he come from a tough world. He's one of those above and beyond tough guys. I listened all my life to all my early years, listened to his friends telling these uh, dynamic stories about, you know, things that he had done, you know, beating people up and just, just, you know, just above and beyond the normal stories. So I'm, I'm looking at my hero was a tough guy and his brother was a tough guy. Um, and my brothers, uh, began doing mischievous stuff. So to keep up with them and, and, uh, I just learned everything with older, with kids older than I was. So the things I was learning, they was four and five years older, like I said. So that's a big difference in, in, in when, when you're, you're a, a kid. kid. Yeah. So I did everything with them and learned everything with them. So I was always ahead of the game with kids my age, no matter what it was, whether it's sports or doing bad. And uh, so I – I've become a, a, a quick learner and influenced as well by a teenage sister who was uh, promiscuous early on in her in her life. So she she kind of introduced them to marijuana and cigarettes. And, and if they got introduced to it, I got introduced to it. So uh, I smoked my first cigarette at the age of five. Um, Dad was a smoker, camel non-filters. I had to smoke camel non-filters, you know. Mm. Uh, stealing them from him and smoking them in the cornfield, you know. Um, so it was one of those, I can, I'm just as tough as you and trying to follow my older brothers to prove myself as a little brother. And uh, uh, so by the age of five, I was smoking. By the age of seven, uh, I smoked my first marijuana cigarette, my first joint. Um, between ages of seven and eleven, we embarked on crimes, delinquent crimes like vandalism, stealing. I mean, not big deals as far as uh, breaking in an old man's uh, old farmer's house who was a drunk, and we'd steal his bottles of liquor. You know, just anything that was just uh, mischievous, like you said earlier. Um, but it just uh, and your brothers led you kind of in that whole pathway. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was things that they did that I probably wouldn't have done without a doubt. Uh, I, I know that that's a fact. Um, I don't blame them for 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 that for for the life that I had to live because um, they were influenced as well. You know, uh, it wasn't uh, them influencing me. It was something else influenced all of us. Um, what Tony? What was your dad? As you're going down this pathway in the early years, what what is he saying about your seven years old? Does he know about the joint? Well, smoking your first joint? No, not at the not at the age of seven. He didn't. You know, all that wasn't uh, known as far as he did know that I was smoking cigarettes. I got caught at, at seven years old stealing a pack of cigarettes, uh, and what he said about that was, "Eat them." <laughs> so I ate. I ate 15 of those 20 cigarettes in that pack until he finally let me slide. And I ended up stealing the last five periodically, so it didn't break me. <laughs> so I, it's sad. I'm laughing, but it's not, I'm not I'm not glorifying it. That, 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 that was, I never shared that before, but that's it's ironic because that's how my life, nothing stopped me. It was like, you know, he'd beat me upstairs, and I'd sneak out the window downstairs. He'd beat me downstairs. I'd sneak out the window upstairs. So... And my dad was a loving father, but 
he didn't know he didn't know what else to do. He was a truck driver, gone two weeks at a time. <clears throat> Come home here and all the stuff me and my brothers had done, and uh, and the stuff we're doing is isn't the normal mischievous stuff, you know. We're you know robbing, stealing, you know, doing doing stuff that uh, he knows going to lead us down the wrong road. Fast forward now, Tony, to um, your early teen years. You're, you're continuing to go down this pathway. Well, I'll give you a, a, a quick rush rundown. By the age of 11, I graduated to robbing stores with a gun. Uh, I learned how to drive, drove vehicles. Uh, I stole a vehicle and went from Ohio to South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, uh, leading two older my two older brother's friends um god gave me a leadership uh gift but i used it the wrong way early on and uh that embarked me on a journey uh, that never stopped until i finally surrendered to the lord um at the age of 11 i went in uh went into my first institution and uh Went to the harsher ones because the crime that I did was a harsh crime. Most kids at 11 wasn't doing that at my, in my day. Mm-hmm. Well, I went in at 11 and went into the harder facilities. And from then to the age of 17, I visited every one of the tough ones and several two or three times. Uh, so I spent almost all my juvenile years incarcerated. I'd get out one day, I'd be on the run. A week, I'd be on the run. Uh, so it was... It was a nonstop. It was just, like I said, it didn't deter me, and it set the pace in my life. I was just... You're, you're on a trajectory that yeah. is major madness. Yeah, and by the age of seven, I think about 15, I came to the detention center, and, and a woman working there said, uh, uh, they, computers just started coming out, and uh, she said that she's seen on the computer that I'm in the top three worst juveniles in the entire state one of them was from my area and another one from northern ohio and uh and i remember feeling like i did something like that was an accomplishment wow wow so we're going to take a break and and you're like well what can you go from there well tune in and you'll hear where tony's going which is down a path that leads to destruction but there's somebody waiting for him at the end of that path so we're going to take a break and we're going to come back shortly to hear more about Tony's story and his life of crime and rebellion that led right to the cross. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Satter, we're here with Tony Cash, and he's sharing his amazing story about God uh, bringing him uh, from rebellion to, to knowing him. And uh, we want to thank our sponsors, LNN Credit Union, uh, they've been around Louisville and the banking institution almost as many years as Tony's been in prison. Uh, <laughs> LNN's been around for decades, uh, and uh, they've been helping folks with their financial needs, both personal and business checking, uh, LNN Credit Union. Vision First Eye Care, if you need eye care, whether it's glasses, contacts, or you just need to get your eyes looked at, Vision First will take care of you more than just a set of eyeballs but a person. And then Bright Star Home Care, they're an organization that helps folks if you have a loved one who needs help, a care whether it's one day a week or 24-7 care, who's aging into the point they cannot take care of themselves like they need to, Bright Star Home Care can walk through that journey with you. So, Tony, you're mid to late teens, and you're in the top three uh, worst criminal 
record juvenile yeah. as a juvenile. Yeah. Um, and, my, and your brother is kind of proud of that, or is that? Yeah, did I understand I mean, that right? Yeah. Uh, I'm honest with you, that was just a uh, uh, to be a tough guy. It was something uh, to be proud of, and and I'll be quite honest. I went from age of eleven to age of seventeen, in and out of so many institutions. It pretty much lived in institutions. That took me out of the school system. I might get enrolled when I get freedom, but I would never stay or go to. Ch- go to school I'd be back on the run and back in trouble again so I just missed out on the whole the normal growing up as children uh, high schools junior highs high school sweethearts and all the things that that normal kids experience I bypassed that <clears throat> graduated to the adult system at the age of 17 after assaulting a, uh, a staff at the detention center uh, did that time like a six months or whatever in the county jail I turned 18 and then got out and Soon got into a fight with some police officers, and, and uh, they uh, they charged me with a bunch of charges, and from assault to uh, I was knocking on a door. Somebody owed me some money, and uh, he wouldn't come out. He was hiding in the house, and called the police and said somebody's trying to break in. This was like he was a neighbor, acting like a neighbor. This was before caller ID, so they mm. think a neighbor is calling, but he was inside that house, and that that. When the cops came, they was coming and looking for somebody attempting to break in, and I was banging on the door, and that 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 began a, a, an argument and a fight, and it, it got pretty ugly. I I think I adopted something from my father, inherited something from, from my father, uh, blackouts from getting so angry or drug induced or alcohol induced or or, or anger or, or pain, just uh, rage. Yeah, this rage, and that been uh, my life was just filled with this darkness early on and that rage just drew drew me uh, drove me like a like a madman I, I i look back now and say how in the world did i not see the truth how did i why did i want to live like that and i used to say i'd do what i want to do but i didn't want to do that i've been incarcerated nearly 36 years of my life from the age 11 to age of 49 i entered the adult system prison system at 18 and I had a 15-year sentence, and within that 15 years, I escaped and got two years added on. I ended up doing the full 17 years. Um, uh, there, there's so much in that history, that story, that uh, I, I won an appeal. I was supposed to get out. They didn't let me out. I ended up escaping. And they, it's, there's so much of my story. that I, I want to embark on that here, but uh, that, that just began uh, my journey in the adult system. And, you, and, and, and in that whole system, at the same time, you are pumping iron like right, big time right. because you, uh, I mean, you're wanting to almost yeah. become, I mean, you're a bodybuilder and doing all of that so that you can what? You can. Right. I was trying to be, and this, I'll give you a quick run, rundown. I was trying to be as tough as I can be to endure anything that come my way. I was trying to be as tough as I can be. And anything I learned that made me tougher or gave me the edge, I, I incorporated. Um, there's a saying in mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts is, uh, martial means controlled. Controlled movements like karate is kick strikes and blocks. Judo is throws and holds. All these are controlled movements, but they're not the full art of fighting. So when someone gets into fighting, they start adding to their arsenal to learn, mixing it up so they can be better fighters. That was my mindset early on learning anything that was adding to my arsenal to make me dominant. And in the environment I lived in, 
the one prison was America's top three worst prisons, fitting for me being the top three worst juveniles. Uh, and this prison was very, very violent, uh, ruled by fear and violence. The guards were afraid. Uh, they didn't intervene in anything. And, uh, in fact, they had a riot there. I think it lasted 13 days. The only guards inside that prison was dead ones and hostages, surrounded by National Guards and Armed Forces. So I, this is the environment I, I lived in. Uh, so I've seen human beings at their worst. I deserve to be there. I ain't going to sit there and try to make it look like I was in, uh, treated bad, put in a bad place. Well, I was a bad person. And and I— As, as you're in there, Tony— what, it, just the mindset of still rage, anger, and hostility. Yeah, yes, it overrun me. I, <clears throat> it made me live a life. When I come to the Lord, He said He hates lawlessness, and I look back on my life and I, I live by I do what I want to do. I don't have a, a, a the the president ain't my president, the warden ain't my warden. I. I do what I want to do. I only obey the laws I have to. I mean, I, I lived this in my mind, and I, and I developed and became that, and I taught and taught other people. I, through the years, I, I embarked. I was a trainer physically. I learned how to uh, box, wrestle, several different martial arts I, I dabbled with until I graduated to the one I, I found was, was, was the full package. And I, I lived as if I was training for war, which the places I lived in I was. It was that kind of environment, and I, early on, I embarked on trying to equip and train other men so that they don't fall prey to either death or, or rape or you know the, the things that was part of the environment I lived in, and uh, and today I, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do, and now today as a disciple maker, uh, I'm I'm taking that same training, so to speak and trying to help men and women to keep them from falling. Well, there's no, you, 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 I mean, God has gifted you with leadership and you, you know, we're going to, we're going to share your story about how God's using you right now awesome. in leadership for the kingdom, but you were leading in a horrible way right. in the, in the prison system. Talk to us just when, you, you mentioned in the break that you're, when you were like eight or nine years old, your mom came to know the Lord. Yeah. Um, she got invited by a woman who was, uh, I think they called, her, called them room mothers in school. Mm -hmm. And she invited her to church. And my dad was a trucker, gone all the time. So I'm sure my mother was seeking and wanting to be uh, in contact with other people besides delinquent children. <laughs> uh, so, um, so she found the Lord, and she tried she tried to invite me uh, or try to get me in to the church uh, on, on a few occasions. Uh, but it wasn't happening. Yeah, I was just too, I mean, I'm stealing money out of the coffee jar upstairs and sneaking out back and smoke cigarettes. And so, you, you know, uh, so Tony, talk to us about right before someone introduced you to Jesus in, in the prison system. What what was what was happening in your heart spiritually? Well, no one introduced me to Jesus in the prison system. Okay. Um, and where I evolved into was, uh, uh, I always told myself if if I couldn't function normal when I become a free man, I'd go after the ones I blamed. I blamed the system. I blamed cops. I blamed, 
and I developed this uh, suicide by cop killing mentality. I would tell myself, I would go after the one, I'd make them kill me. I remember sitting in solitary looking out the window, the building next to me was was death row and I used to say, one day I want to be there because I, I already graduated to the worst prison, the worst maximum security and the worst lockdown. So I always had this in my mind that that's where I'm going to be, either death row or have them kill me in the streets or or, or I'm going to go after a cop hard enough that they're right, going to shoot me and right, shoot me dead. Right, and that's where I end up after doing all those years and coming out. Uh, that's where my mindset was when someone told me about God. Now, now in, in you spent of the 36 years that you were in institutions and in prison, you said 20 of those years? In solitary confinement. In solitary confinement. That tells you. You, how I lived. You, I didn't do anything I didn't want to do that worked when I was in prison. If I didn't want to, I didn't live with anybody I didn't want to. You were one bad dude, but God was not done with you. Amen. So we're going to take a break, come back. In the next couple segments, we're going to hear about when Tony says he was in solitary confinement, he wasn't alone. <laughs> uh, so we're going to hear about how that interaction went down and, and how he came to know the Lord and how it didn't go well for him immediately when he knew the Lord. In fact, there was some history there after that. And then there was a day of surrender. And we'll talk more about that here in the next segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to the third segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you missed the first two, you missed a lot go back to iTunes, SoundCloud, or you can go to furthestoministry.org, click on the mic, and you can hear all of those shows or all of those uh, segments. Thanks to uh, our great sponsors like Dan Hart Financial. If you want to talk about wisdom in regards to your uh, retirement and what that looks like long term, Dan Hart can sit down with you and talk about what finances look like from a biblical perspective. Frank Enterprises, those guys help you. If you've got water waste going where it's not supposed to go outside your house and septic tank issues, Frank Enterprises can take care of you there. And then Southern Smoke Catering, southernsmokecatering.com. They are a catering-only barbecue joint with the best brisket in the state. You will thoroughly enjoy them. We thank them all for sponsoring our show. So, okay, so Tony, you've been in um, for 15 years correct? in prison. You get out, and you violated parole. Is that what it was? Right, right. And then they, you had to go back in? Correct. But while out at that moment, uh, I, like I said earlier, I used to tell myself, if I couldn't function in society uh, after doing all those years and living the way I lived, I, 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 would, I would go after the ones that I blamed. <clears throat> and the, the one... The system is, I, I had this hatred toward the system. I blamed them. I blamed the cops that arrested me. I blamed, <clears throat> so I just had this, wanted to pay back those who made me this way. You you, you mentioned in the break, you, you had a stronghold. Yeah, yeah. It was so overwhelming that it just ruled my, you, we look back and say, how did I not see that? Well, you when blind. you got to, yeah, when, you, when that demonic man in the tombs, when he was set free, I, I, I know, I know that man. And with that said, uh, I could just think about it and just know what the Lord done for me and set me free brings tears into my eyes. Uh, a man that wouldn't even cry when his own brother got killed. <clears throat> now I can sit there and cry and just think about <laughs> what the Lord's done for me. And, uh, well, I came out and I just couldn't function. Destroying everything around me, 
uh, no one wanted me around. I was just this 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 nut, this extreme nut, taking everything to the extreme. I, I just couldn't function normal. What I uh, was used to was not normal. And uh, mm. and one day I was uh, fed up with all the destruction and what I became, and and I was putting in the play the plans that I thought about all those years of paying back those who I blamed and. And that's where my mind was at. And then I was at a gas station. I run into an old friend, one of my closest brothers over all those years, who was a, was a very tough, tough guy, uh, to say the least. And uh, loved him dearly. We was great friends. And uh, and you met him? In prison. In prison. In prison. He was my one of my closest comrades in all those years. I mean, literally, we've risked each other's lives for each other. And uh, and we had this close bond as, as brothers. And uh, I run into him in the middle of nowhere at this gas station, and man, uh, God knew what he was doing. I didn't. At the moment, uh, we were just excited about seeing each other, and I look at him and I said, man, something about you looks, I said, you look great is what I said. I said I'm thinking he, something about him looks different. It might be the street clothes, he's free, but I'm, I'm, I say to him, and this ain't the normal response. When someone says, man, you look great, you don't say, I'm a Christian now. He just had it in his heart. He wanted to tell me that. And when I said, you look great, he said, I'm a Christian now. And he could tell that I wasn't living right the way I, I the, the, what was in my heart, it's in your eyes. Oh, yeah. And he knew me, and he knew me well. And uh, and I just wanted to get away from him because I didn't want my life to infect his. I was so proud when I heard he was a Christian. Well, God become an option that day. I didn't give myself to the Lord that day. But if this man's telling me he's a Christian, there must be something to this God stuff. Because you you respected him. Oh, absolutely. Loved him. Uh, he was one of the very few in my life that I was very close to and, and honored and respected and vice versa. So I embarked on crying out um, that night and for the next several days. I, I mean, I'm not eating. I'm robbing drug dealers and, and killing myself with these drugs and and I'm crying and praying and punching holes in the walls when I open my eyes and I don't, I don't feel nothing. You know, I'm falling on my knees. Uh, help me. And I'm opening my eyes and there ain't nothing happening. You know, no tingly feeling, no change. And I, and I kick a hole in the wall or punch a hole in the wall and I run out the door and go rob somebody else for their drugs. And the cycle just went on for about a week or so, however long it took. And I was arrested and put back in uh in the jail and during this period <clears throat> I had uh, I had surrendered it's so much in my story there was a grace period or, or a period where for about a month in this jail that uh, that I was crying out to God um, and then they put me in this halfway house in Ohio and and I I soon fell back in a jail I crossed over to Kentucky side so I'm in jail over in Kentucky and uh, hoping they don't find out I'm wanted in Ohio and now at this point I tried God I tried everything and and uh, the uh, and they come tell me they found out I'm wanted in Ohio so I'm going back to prison now and that mindset come back I wanted to I wanted to go out even though God was had the, the seed had been planted, yeah, even though things were, God was working, 
you're still in the middle of all this. Right. So uh, the rage is, is, is taking over, and and long story short, uh, I start putting the plan uh, to to take a, a guard's life. And uh, no, he didn't know it. Uh, and in the middle of, had a mop bucket with an old metal ringer the way he had them back in the days. Uh, well, there's a metal, it wasn't a metal ringer, it was a metal rod that ran across the back of the, the bucket or the, or the ringer. And I was pulling it out, trying to break it out and use it, sharpen it to a point and, and, uh, and, and, and wait for this man to come in after I fake a seizure or something, get some reason for him to come in. And I, the, 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 what I'm saying to you is insanity. And this is where my mind was. I mean, this is truly demonic. Demonic. And and I'm in this shower area with this bucket. No one knows what I'm doing. And I'm trying to break this bucket apart. And and I just look up. And, I, and I'm look like I'm looking... There was a light in the, in the corner of the, uh, this happened on a few occasions, but it was it was a real light. You know, I look up at that light, and it was like God saying to me, "Don't." And I just said, "Then do something," because I can't. I knew where my mind and heart was. I knew what I was sitting, and I can't stop myself. And I knew this was a rage. I didn't say it as calmly as I just said it just then. And as soon as I said that, somebody out in the cell said. Who wants this Bible? They was out there cleaning the cell, and they picked up a Bible on the table. He said, who wants this Bible? And again, God said, come to me. And it was immediate. I spun around, went right out that shower door, and I snatched that Bible out of that guy's hand before his arm even lowered. He didn't know what to think. I snatched out his hand, and I jumped up in the bed, and I was trying to read it. It was a King James Version, and I couldn't understand it. Three th- uh, now, there's a whole lot to this story. I won't go through that, but this was this was that coming to the Lord. He showed me he was there. He eventually gave me a Bible I can read. And there's so much in that journey right there that that uh, that we couldn't do it justice by just telling half of it. So I, I won't go into all of it. I'll just leave it at that, meaning I began a journey of surrendering I went back into prison for two years, and that was digging in God's Word, and and I didn't want to hear from nobody else, though. I didn't trust anybody else. It was just me and God and His Word. And I I still, I got out in, in, in two years, and soon took my eyes off the Lord and fell again. From that, from that, that was 2002. From 2002 till I reentered prison, uh, for the last time in 2010. From 2002 to 2010, I'm in and out of county jails. I even went back over to Ohio for a jail sentence for a year. Uh, prison Went into prison for a year and came back out. But in and out, in and out, 19-page criminal history from the year 2000 to the year 2010. And this is Just, after you had encountered Right. And I, I would, each time I'd fall, I would, I'd, I'd be in solitary because I couldn't I couldn't function normal in a normal cell, so they keep me isolated and need God and His Word and and I. It's that's that was the journey in and out, in and out, God back and forth, back and forth. So I understand. I tell the men that I minister today. I said, I said, how many of you guys have turned to God before and fell away? And they all raised their hand. I say, it's a lie straight from the gates of hell. The term jailhouse religion. 
You had a real experience. You just didn't grow spiritually. You learned his word. You tried things new, but it wasn't enough. And now we're going to we're going to take a break and we're going to unpack the rest of that story in this final segment. So we'll come back in a final segment and you're going to actually hear another show if you're just listening and catching it on the weekend. Next weekend, we're going to have a show with Tony and his wife Kim and talking about what God has done with him since he's come to know the Lord. But the next segment, you don't want to miss it. Tony's story on really uh, him and t- uh, God having a wrestling match in a solitary confinement cell. You're going to want to hear it on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Souter, we're here with Tony Cash. And if you missed the first three, you need to go listen to an amazing story about a kid smoking cigarettes at 7, dope at 11, robbing people at 11, and now... He's sitting in a solitary confinement, and we're going to hear the end of this story. But we want to thank our sponsors, The Outlook, Southeast Christian Outlook. They tell God's story both locally and around the globe of what he's doing in people's lives. We want to thank Dr. Eric Veal and Iroquois Family Dental. Uh, He's got two locations, one in southwest Louisville and then one in the east end. They are kid-friendly dentist office. Uh, Veritech Generators, if you need a generator for your office or your home or you need an estimate or even some maintenance on your uh, existing generator, Veritech can help you out. And then a friend of mine, a friend of ours, Jennifer Heck, she has written a book for Christmas. It's called A Heavenly Conversation One Night Before Christmas. It is a 92-page illustrated gift book, and you can introduce this into your Christmas season every year. It is a beautiful book. I've seen it. Heavenlyconversation.com. That's heavenlyconversation.com. So, Tony, you have been in and out of prison how many different times? I think you said in in the break you lost track of after 50 times. Yeah. Throughout my entire life, from the age of 11 to the age of 49, I've been in, we tried to count, in and out of of prison and institution doors. Uh, After 50, I stopped counting. I couldn't count. It's just so much, so many. Uh, Many of them several times, but uh, in and out. And uh, from the time I come to know the Lord and the time I finally surrendered to the Lord, I acquired a 19-page criminal history from the year 2000 to the year 2010 is when I finally went to prison for the last time and and in that journey I, I lived in prison seven more years but in that journey was was, was the final surrender and, yeah, and uh, because you you described in the break you were you were like Jacob in the Old Testament you were wrestling with God yeah talk about that yeah I, I was fighting with with uh, that stronghold in my life the hatred driven me it, it, it was driving me to do such foul things and I'd find myself blacking out with this rage and then I find myself self-medicate myself trying to keep myself from doing these things and and that just took me down a a, a long road of uh, it's amazing that I'm still alive with the kind of things I was doing to my body with the drugs I was ingesting whatever kind of drug it was I found at the time and uh but, but you mentioned in the break you you were doing that and then you'd it, it kind of like you would wake up and you'd say, Lord, I'm sorry. There, there's this. Yeah, oh, man, I'd be doing it while I'm doing it, saying, forgive me, God. You know, this is after I come to know God. So. And, and so t- talk about the final surrender. Right. Well, back in the prison uh, for the last time, uh, in solitary for the last time, uh, I'm laying in solitary, uh, body riddled because of. I couldn't deal with the environment I was in. I found drugs and tried to kill myself with the drugs, basically. And uh, so I'm laying in the hole. I'm 50 pounds underweight because I, I did these drugs for a couple months trying to deal with the environment. Um, my father died the year before. Uh, I lost all my property when he shipped me back into this this particular prison from another institution. And uh, 
And uh, I was going to see the parole board the next month. And I know I'm not going to make a parole now. I've done been turned down twice. Uh, the woman I called a wife, I know I was not going to be able to stick around. And uh, after this uh, one more incident, and uh, so I'm in my all of my family, other than my mother, I, I pretty much had no contact with and, and disowned. And so I, I was at the bottom of the barrel. Only thing I had left was my mother, and uh, and then here come a chaplain to knock on my cell door and to tell me my mother died. That man that I was when Christ first entered my life, that death by suicide by cop killing, that insane guy that was just fed up and came alive for that very moment. And all I could think of was the guard that put me in the hole uh, in solitary. And I just wanted to pay back those who's made me this way and go out like a bang, because I know they're gonna kill me if I kill one of them. And and just as loud as I'm speaking, God said to me, is that what you want? I saved you from that. Just as clear as the first time he spoke to me. And at that very moment, it was either fall, go all the way out like an idiot. And, and really take your life. Yeah, and really take my life or surrender it all. And I was, I was battling with it all, and, and I, I was losing everything. And it was like God grabbed my shoulders and just pinned me that back to that bed. And, and, and this is that moment uh, when I think about Jacob wrestling with the Lord. Mm. I just held on, and I remember just immediately when he said, I saved you from that. I said, I'm not letting you go. I don't care what you take from me. I'm not letting you go. I said, you didn't save me for me to keep falling. I didn't say it that calmly either. You know, it was just, uh, it was, but, and it was, I, I knew that very moment that I said it in my heart. And from that day on, I surrendered everything I had. I sat at his feet like a child. There was a major transformation. Major. Everything he taught me all those years came alive. And I just surrendered and began dealing with all the convictions inside me, getting set free. And man, I was just, that, that, leader that I'd been all my life started leading men for the good. All that I'd done in my life, all the things I've taught men, I've taught men how to take somebody's life. I gotta live with that. I know how Paul feels. I can't even imagine what he felt like binding Christians and having them killed when he finally found out that he's fighting against the one he's been waiting on. Yeah. And I found out that this was real and true. Now today, I'm discipling and leading and trying to strengthen God's kingdom so that we can overcome the, through Christ and not fall and go through what I went through. I'm sick of seeing so many men turn to God and fall away. They just hadn't grown spiritually. Mm -hmm. yes. They get a real experience with God and they fall because they didn't grow spiritually. They get the watered down version or they don't really understand what it is to surrender to Christ. and. That's what I'm passionate about today. God, God has taken you, Tony, from the, from the, the from the inch of, of hell. Amen. And He's moved you. Now you are doing ministry full time. Amen. With uh, team expansion and ministering to hundreds of folks. Yeah. And uh, it is so exciting <laughs> to hear your story, 
and to watch you and, and your wife now working together. Yeah. And, that, and that's going to be a whole nother story. But uh, thank you so much for sharing, awesome. uh, thank Tony. You for thank, thank you so much for just opening your heart to us. Tony, would you pray for us guys that we would surrender like you did uh, not too long ago? Amen. Would you pray for us, please? Heavenly Father, I, I pray that each and every year that's here in this message, Lord, that it's a message of hope. Mm. I pray, Lord, that those who are bound in the chains of darkness and hate and lives of crime and rage, Lord, I pray that, that they'll cry out to you and surrender each and every molecule of their being to you, Lord. That they'll surrender it all and ask you into their heart and receive the freedom that they hear so many people talk about. You set them free, Lord, and nothing else will. Mm -hmm. I pray that they know that and understand that and hear this journey that I've been on and hear that there's redemption. Mm -hmm. There is being set free. Lord, I want them to know that you can take the hate and the darkness and replace it with love and light. You are the Redeemer. Mm. And I pray, Lord, that they know that. I pray that they'll just surrender everything and begin feeding on your word and allowing you to strengthen and guide and lead them in all their ways. I pray they understand that, that it is about surrender. Mm. Everything, their thoughts, their words, their actions. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much. Well, uh, I bet you you won't hear a story like that today or maybe ever if you're just joining us. And you might be thinking, wow, what, what, what an amazing story. Well, um, God is writing a story in every person's life. It says in the word that he is the author and perfecter of, of faith. Mm. And so the whole time that Tony's walking along that, that journey, the Lord is waiting for him. And we said in another segment that solitary confinement, you're never really alone. And if you're listening to this now and you think you have no hope, tell me you have less hope than the man we just heard from about his life. Because I don't see how that could possibly be. So uh, whatever you're doing and wherever you're walking, that God does have a plan for you. And, and next week, I want you to hear not only this week, but next week, Tony and his wife, Kim, are doing a ministry and the story's not over. This is just beginning for him. And so God's writing a story for him and his wife and, and Kim and, and come back next week and listen to what God is doing with Tony and his wife now and how to minister and taking all those things and God is using every bit of it for his glory. Amen. So we thank you for listening and we just pray you will pass this along to somebody who needs to hear it. And we thank you for doing that on Solid Steps Radio. 